Want to see the stories that we have on the list? Hey, do you want to actually suggest a story to put on the list? The place to do that is superhumanregistrationpodcast.com. The world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. So, um, remember, remember how we were going to, like, read these stories, uh, at least the one for Black History Month, and then it wound up being March when we started recording? Yeah. You know that happened last year, too. Man, we are bad at Black History Month. I didn't, I didn't. Oof. It's not on purpose. I didn't, it wasn't my fault last year, too, was it? I don't remember, probably. Okay. So, you know, if you're going to blame anybody, blame John. I mean, probably. (laughs) Well. Not to to be like super, you know, not just to pick on John, but I feel like at least 75% of the time when we actually have to reschedule at the last minute, it is because of John. Did he just drop off the call? <laughs> did I did I make John mad and he left? I don't know how to take that. <laughs> oh, I mean, I it it you're you're the one with the most moving parts in his life. You yeah, know? you're the one who decided to have twins. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, that was definitely a conscious choice. I saw the paperwork. You know how I, you know how I did. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't requisition them. You know how identical twins work? It's a freak thing. It's it's a, the egg splits. They're identical. If it was fraternal, then I could have said that I like, you know, <clears throat> tried extra hard, but that's not the case. I don't know what to do with that. No. Um yeah, they slept through the night for the first night uh, this week and they're 9 months old. So just give a little window of what it's like up in here. Sleep deprivation is used for torture. I'm just going to put that out there. Anyway, yeah, my fault. It's my fault. There you are you, you going to turn in your kids to the Geneva Council? No, because they aren't <laughs> doing it on purpose. Okay. Oh, so if it's so if it's not on purpose, it's not a war crime. Okay. It's one of those like act of God kind <laughs> <Whoa>. of things. <laughs> Accidental war crime is not the way that I thought this podcast was going to start. Well, <laughs> we clearly had different visions of this podcast from day one. <laughs> Must have done. So I think we should just dive into it now. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Superhuman Registration Podcast, where uh, we are apparently guilty of violating the Geneva Convention. But, you know, don't let the name fool you. It's not nearly as exciting as the comic convention. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually been, like, missing the comic convention experience because I haven't been to a Comic-Con in a couple of years. I I miss your photos. You You take good pictures. I enjoy getting those pictures. I'm a little concerned now that I'm, you know, getting, well, I guess it doesn't really matter. I am getting older and a lot of the best cosplay, and I've always felt uncomfortable about this, but my favorite thing to do in in a convention is to go up to the people in the cosplay and say, hey, can I get a picture with you? But I don't want to just like pose and smile and selfie. I want you to punch me or whatever. And then like, I like it and it's fun. It makes for really fun photos and especially like children really like it. But when you start, th- there's there's a certain group. Teenage girls are really good at cosplay. But if you go up to a teenage girl and say, hey, girl, would you hit me? It feels weird. Mm-hmm. 
and yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's getting to the point where I'm like really uncomfortable. My favorite people to go and and like ask photos of are teenage girls who are there with their dads. <laughs> Because then it's like I can ask the girl and, you know, they've got the good costume and then the dad is there to not only take the picture for me but also to, you know, make me feel less weird about asking, oh my gosh, we need to clap again so I can delete all this stuff from before. This yeah, one. let's have another clap. This, this. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm trying, I was like, Steven's approaching teenage girls in front of their dads and, okay. The real, the real, the real war crime was listening to that. <laughs> The real <laughs> war crime was beside us all along. And the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Who wants to talk about truth? <laughs> uh, you know, that's a that's actually a really good segue, John. No, we're gonna clap again. This is all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who wants to talk about truth? <laughs> Do we, okay, hold on. Now we've got we got two comics that we're talking about tonight. We've got Truth, Red, White, and Black. And we've got Big Hero 6. Both of these comics are... We're, we're out of our depth tonight, guys. No, I think that I think that the people most qualified to talk about these are, are the three of us, you know, in our years of expertise and, um, you know, sensitivities that we've displayed over years and years of... Being the people depicted in these books. No! Oh. <laughs> I, yeah, did not know what we were getting into tonight. Yeah, you yeah, know. Nope, me neither. I served professionally as a giant robot for many years of my life, so I think I can use that experience to talk about the books. Now, this is a <laughs> this is a fun corner of uh, your backstory. I didn't know about. What, uh, when you say served, <clears throat> served as a giant robot, like you were enlisted. Like, what do you mean served as a giant robot? Let's hear this. Uh, oh man, sorry, Stephen had to cut all that audio out half an hour of me explaining that story, but he was really <laughs> he was really pressing on that we should actually talk about the books. So, no way to condense that story at all. Yep, afraid not. So, <laughs> so um, which which of the stories do we want to start with? Do we want to start with the the slightly like the better but uncomfortable story, or the worse and uncomfortable story? I th- I think we should start out with the Captain America one. Okay, so that is, I guess that we don't know what we think of these stories individually. So I guess we're going to start with Truth, Red, White, and Black. So this story was awkward. <laughs> that's that's the, the the log line. That's That's the pitch. So Truth, Red, White, and Black is a 2003 miniseries from Marvel Comics. It is... Written by Robert Morales, with art by Kyle Baker. Has uh, letters by JG and Comic Crafts Wes. Uh, Story takes place around the time of Captain America's rise to fame in World War II. The, The high concept is that the super soldier serum was not first administered to Steve Rogers, but was in fact first tested on multiple black uh, soldiers in the military to um, make sure that it was safe for quote-unquote... Oh my gosh, I can't even say it. It's actually kind of horrifying. It's like they were going to try it on the quote-unquote lesser races first and then try it on a white boy. Like there's so much overt racism in this story. It's it's very, very uncomfortable. But um, anyway... So they try the super soldier serum on multiple test subjects before 
ever trying it on a white person. Many of the subjects die. Like, it's fatal. We actually get some pretty gruesome images of uh, the soldiers bulking up and then kind of exploding. At the end, uh, of only a few of them survive and actually are able to uh, roll out with the with the military and actually perform the same sorts of like covert missions that uh, Captain America would eventually take on. And we're talking about there's a group of like four or five of them. Uh, a couple of them are pretty unstable though, and they wind up mostly killing each other off, except for one whose name is Isaiah Bradley. Uh, he feels very inspired. By this time in the war, Captain America is actually out and he's acting. Um, he's actually supposed to meet up with these soldiers to go on this mission to infiltrate one of the concentration camps. There's a storm over the Pacific. Captain America can't make it. Then you get the infighting where the, the other super soldiers kill themselves or kill each other, I should say. And so only Isaiah Bradley is left. He steals a Captain America costume, breaks into the camp, and it, things don't go so well for him there. He winds up getting captured by the Nazis, taken before Adolf Hitler himself, who tries to uh, coerce him into joining with the, the Nazi movement. Isaiah Bradley, of course, refuses, and he's supposed to be taken off to get executed. Then we jump to the modern day, and Captain America finds out about Isaiah Bradley. Turns out he didn't know any of this until after he was unfrozen from the iceberg. He tracks down some of the people who were involved in Operation Rebirth, finds out about Isaiah Bradley, gets the whole story, eventually learns that there's this whole other side of history. The official word is that Isaiah Bradley died in Germany. But turns out that Isaiah Bradley actually escaped, was rescued, made it back to the States, and was immediately incarcerated for stealing Captain America's costume, and he was kept in prison for a uh, long time. Meanwhile, the super soldier serum started doing nasty stuff to his system. His body ultimately recovered from his ordeals in the war, but his mind kind of disappeared. After learning all of this, Captain America tracks him down, tries to apologize to him, gives him the old costume back, and they pose and have a, a photo. And that's where the story ends. Now, this does have some repercussions in the larger uh, Marvel Universe. If I'm not mistaken... Uh, the character Patriot, um, well, the, the Young Avengers version of Patriot, I believe is related to Isaiah Bradley. I, w I was just pulling up that list because there are um, many different Captain Americas. Yeah, Patriot is apparently the second, the second Patriot is Eli Bradley, who's the grandson of Isaiah Bradley. Okay. Yeah. So... Uh, this is a, an, an uncomfortable story to talk about. And, um... I, like, God be with us today. This is going to be tough. <laughs> I think, so So I think right off the bat, I think there's, um, gosh, there's a lot of parallels to real life here. Um, right. And it's, I mean, obviously intentional. It's a very intentional book. The the language, the imagery, the, uh, not even metaphors, just how blatant it is, is very intentional. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's like a lot of, a lot of things here that like correlate to real life. Like you, you, they, they make a mention of like Jesse Owens, um, who was the, the black track and field runner who was winning in like the 1936 Olympics, um, who Adolf Hitler was very notorious about meeting face to face. Um, there's a lot of parallels to stories about 
um, these surprisingly not fictional but very real um, Red Tails uh, air units um, who were Tuskegee originally Tuskegee Airmen. The yeah study of untreated syphilis. The it's the Tuskegee study of untreated syphilis in the Negro male is what it's called. And yep. That's yep. that's probably the worst part about this whole book is that it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is awful. I can't believe that. Oh, no, this happened. This, like, yeah. not super soldier serum, but, like, you know, illegal experimentation and, like, unethical practices and just yeah. awful, awful. Um, and there's, like, there's another thing, too, and, and this is something that um, I was kind of made aware of. I read up on it because I don't take it at its face value because it's based on a comic book. But the new Watchmen series had a bit about um, how the German – Nazi uh, forces were trying to recruit a lot of black uh, soldiers at the time. And that comes into play here as well. We see that whole kind of dialogue between him and Adolf where he's like, well, why would you, well, you know, if we don't have, and I'm quoting here, where they're saying, like, we don't have anything against you, the Negroes, it's against the white Americans or something like that. Very kind of explicit. Um, you know, being like, they tortured you, they enslaved you, they they treat you like garbage. Why would you fight for them? Just essentially trying to recruit more people into their ranks. You know, they'll eventually treat them the same, but the more people you have on your side, the stronger you would seem. Um, and that is a real thing that, that happened, was they did try to recruit a lot of young black soldiers into the Nazi forces. Yeah, there's a lot of shout-outs. Oh, shout-outs is the wrong term. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of references to real historical events. The big yeah. one, of course, is the Tuskegee uh, syphilis experiment, mm-hmm. which, uh, if you want to know more about it, I actually, uh, just a few months ago, listened to a fantastic podcast. Uh, co- the podcast is called American Scandal. It's by Lindsey Graham. Not that one. Oh, good. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's about a, a four part f- four or five part series on the Tuskegee syphilis study. And it really goes through everything. The syphilis study was more benevolent in its intentions than the the experiment that we see here, but the effect was very very similar in that you had multiple uh, adult black men who were left to die of a completely treatable illness, but medical care was consciously and deliberately withheld from them um, in order to something. I don't know what what possible like knowledge, what possible scientific advancements could have come from from this study, but um, it's it's a part of American history. It's something that we don't really hear a lot about. The other one that really stuck out to me though was there was a reference to the Red Summer. It's the the sergeant who is telling the story to his men as they're getting shipped off to the Project Rebirth labs. And he talks about fighting in, like, Washington, D.C. against white supremacists. Uh, the Red Summer is a part of American history that nobody ever talks about. But it was this horrific time period when a lot of white nationalists organized and carried out violent campaigns against uh, black Americans. And the interesting thing about that story in particular to me, is that you've got, in in truth, red, white, and black, you have these two parallel histories that are going on. You've got the official story where, you know, the American government is completely denying the existence of Isaiah Bradley. They're saying that he died in Europe. But then you've got black America that knows that Isaiah Bradley survived, and nobody's talking about it. Like, that divide is not being bridged, but there is this entire element of history that, you know, 
large portion of the country knows about and the rest of the country is completely ignorant. That happens in real life. And it, like things that we've talked about here, the Tuskegee experiment, the Red Summer, the, the Airmen, the, um, yeah, just like all of these stories, they are not taught in most American classrooms, but they happened and they are real and they are a part of like African-American history. And it's super depressing to be like a, a white boy who grew up in a fairly, you know, conservative, uh, God and country environment and like to get older and hear these stories and realize that, you know, the ideals that America espouses, it's, they've never really been great at them. And yeah, like a lot of the, the atrocities that we considered to be ended with the Civil War didn't end. We just stopped talking about them. And I, I think that the more we learn about these kind of things, like, oh, this happened in our history, I think I'm learning more about how ignorant I am of things that still go on. Mm -hmm. The lighter side of this is an SNL sketch during the 2016 election when it's a party of, like, you know, the white cast members and they're like, okay, things are going up. Okay, all right. Well, she could still pull through. She could still pull through. And like, oh, Dave Chris Chappelle. Rock and Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, they're like, uh huh, okay, you'll see. And then, like, slowly the white people are like, guys, America is racist. And then Dave <laughs> Chappelle's like, yeah, my grandfather was telling me about something like that. But I don't know. He was a slave. So, what? you know, whatever. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Like, how, did I think that like we 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 know better today, and and that's all behind us, and yeah. And I, then I worry about like in in an effort to not be racist that it is, I, I I do things that are racist. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm dizzy. So somebody else talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's the like the heavy heavy stuff. There's, there's probably more that will come up. Uh, merits of the book itself. Like, what do we want to say about it? I, I Oh, go ahead, Aldo. Oh, I was going to say, I like the art. <laughs> oh, I despise the art. Oh, it's, it's my least favorite art of anything that we've done. Maybe I'm missing the point. Maybe there's, it's an homage to something. It's purposely done in this style. I don't think so. I think that it's, it's, uh, poor craftsmanship. It's uh, looks unfinished. It looks um, unprofessional. Um, I hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. The only two things is that I think they got uh, Hitler's office accurate. And when the um, older soldiers being interviewed by Captain America, he gets more and more grotesque the more he talks and the more you learn how awful he was, or the more that it's revealed to Captain America, because we already know, because we saw, you know, how he acted back in the day, but um, it, it's almost like those still frames you get in uh, Ren and Stimpy, where it's like one character and all of their grotesque details are like, you know, snot or like postules or whatever is like there's like a foghorn and they show a still shot of a, a character in more detail and not animated just like sitting there really gross that's that's what it felt like to me and it kind of made you know all of the horrible things that he was saying and what he believed in stand out more but it, maybe maybe i missed like it was done in this style purposely, but I had trouble telling you which character was which. I I hated it. I hated it. Hated it. And so uh, I I loved it, um, but also because I got a feel 
of um like a lot of that oh man that was uncomfortable saying this <laughs> this whole book is uncomfortable um it's strong and it's powerful and it should be read but you're gonna be the, the uncomfortable story, the story should be told and i felt like they should have <laughs> done a better job yeah. um it reminded the art reminded me a lot of like those old like sketches and paintings of uh like i don't know what the right phrase word is but like slave art a lot of art that was done by the descendants of slaves to depict a lot of this, the stuff that happened um and maybe that's the maybe that's the like homage that i'm missing and then it's done that way on maybe purpose, I, I think i'm also reaching a little bit but there's been like a few pieces of art and like some of the poses and like the the, the features just reminded me a lot about that um, but I also loved it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sort of familiar with Kyle Baker. Like I've seen his name on other books. I am uh, not. This is not this is not that atypical of his art style. Mm-hmm. Uh his main claim to fame uh was I believe a Plastic Man series. Yeah. That he did for uh DC Comics. He is very much a Yeah, he's very much a cartoonist. He likes to have his caricatures. He likes to, to... Like political cartoons? Kind of, yeah. Like, I think... Uh, again, there's there's some really uncomfortable stuff in this. Um, and one of the things that was most uncomfortable for me... And yes, let's definitely make this story about uh, the parallels and like horrible history to African Americans. Let's definitely make it about the 30-something white boy comic book reader. But um, <laughs> there is some very overt, like anti-white person racism like there's a person there's one of the the members of the experiment is like i joined the war so i could kill white people doesn't he say something along the lines of like the privilege to kill white people is something that has to be earned by white from white people or something like that yeah yeah it's the sarge who says that yeah if i remember correctly yeah and I'm, i'm not saying like this book is condoning violence against white americans or anything even close to that but I think it is doing a good job of like highlighting the the possible resentment that people have towards white America for stuff that has happened in the history. And I think some of that even comes across in the way that the, the white characters are cartooned. Oh yeah. And it like, it made me uncomfortable, but at the same time, I feel like the story was accomplishing something with these characters, with these depictions so while I'm going to say the art isn't really my preference, I do think it serves the story pretty well. Um, I have some misgivings about the coloring in certain sections, but in it's other awful. sections, I think it's brilliant, honestly. Like, I honestly think there are aspects of this book that are brilliant, uh-huh. just from an art perspective. It just felt like it was poor quality, not just like... It, it didn't feel all the time like it was a conscious choice. It felt like an unprofessional attempt. It felt amateur, I you know... And maybe I'm com- I, I probably am just missing the point of it altogether. Um, it, I think this is an important like there are important points brought up. I wish that it was you know conveyed differently through the art through some of the writing. And, and but when it's like kill Whitey, I'm like, well, you do have some good points, you know. Like that's what whenever <laughs> that comes up in these kind of stories, I'm like, I I can't fault you for that. I mean, it's been thousands of years now, and who. It has not been thousands of years, John. <laughs> of white guys being oppressors? That's what I'm talking about. Like, you look at the whole, like... Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, in general, yeah, white people be oppressed in a long in time. In general, yeah. Uh- <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't believe that, yeah, I... 
I, I'm finding what a real that? hard time making jokes, you guys. I'm out of my element. <laughs> <laughs> well, can can I talk about some of the stuff that I like, and we can maybe find some comment, some things to talk about. I like how uncomfortable it made both of you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well. Mostly because I don't have to be the only one. <laughs> But anyways, <laughs> do tell Stephen, what did you enjoy about this book? Okay, I mentioned that I have some misgivings about the coloring, but I wanted to point out one of the, I think, best colored pages in the entire book. It's actually issue one, page 17. This is where Sarge is playing pool. Yeah. And the the line he's saying is, this is the only place I get to shovel Whitey around. Yeah. He's he's lining up his cue to hit the, the oh my gosh, I'm not a pool player. Is The just cue the ball. ball? What? The cue ball. Oh, the cue ball. I knew that. I'm bald. So anyway, he's he's lining up to, to hit the cue ball, and the cue ball is not colored at all. It is as white as the page is, and that makes for just this really striking image, um, which I think does a good job of kind of like highlighting and, and causing the reader to stop and really take in just how frustrated and angry and resentful the Sarge is. And we've just heard, like... He, he's just recited this this kind of horrifying story about how one of his friends was treated and uh, and how he got his demotion. So he's he's really been, you know, pushed around and kicked down. And so this image really kind of makes you stop and think about it. And I think it's really well done. So, yeah, like, I'm, I'm actually going to, John, no offense, I'm going to push back a little bit against your perception that this is, like, amateurish, because I think there are some very, very deliberate choices that are being made. It looks unfinished. It doesn't look intentional. It's it's blank space. Yeah, on purpose. I don't, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't get, I, I think we're not going to agree on this, because I don't get that vibe I'm, that you I'm got. an I'm an unprofessional, amateurish, untrained, <laughs> not fully trained artist, and I, I can see my own here. I can see poor, poor craftsmanship, because I'm guilty of it, like, 90% of the time when I draw something, so maybe I'm just projecting my own, like, yeah, I can't draw it either, leave it blank, you know, like. This is here's what happened. Here's what happened. There's a movie um, that was at Sundance a couple of years ago, uh, Birth of a Nation. Did you guys hear about this? Yes. I'm assuming it's not the 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 other movie called The Birth of a Nation. Quite the opposite. It's about Nat Turner and the Slave Rebellion uh, before the Civil War. Do you guys know about Nat Turner? Yes. The, yeah. This is something else. Something else that um, uh, Kyle Baker did was a, a graphic novel about him. Well. I thought the movie was good. I thought it brought up, you know, a, a piece of history that we don't think about. Um, Nate Parker, the writer-director, uh, starred in it. And it um, talks about this this slave rebellion. And it was a powerful movie. And he talked about it after the show. And the message got lost because he and his producing partner um, were accused of um, date rape by someone they went to college with. And Oops. this person killed themselves. And so there was never any like closure and like it had gotten picked up and then kind of just fizzled out and, and disappeared. So this so important story, um, I think it was told well, kind of just fizzled out because of its, its connect the, the filmmakers connection, um, to this, the scandal, you know, and, and 
maybe it was maybe they were guilty maybe they weren't we do we don't know we can we can't find out how the, the uh, woman has killed herself so tragic uh, the 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 story that story they were trying to tell got lost because of things that happened in the telling of it thing uh, out, uh, situations outside of it i don't know i think that this comic is important the issues that it brings up and addresses i'm just disappointed in the way that it's told and i think that uh, the art could have been done better whatever they were going for it still doesn't look good to me i th- the- i think we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on that point okay let's <laughs> move on then what I mean to say is that the message gets lost because of other circumstances so maybe yeah it's just me but I think that um, the way this is told makes you lose out on the message that's all I'm trying to say by my by my bringing up the other the, yeah anyway um, I am not gonna have anything more to say about this because yeah. yeah it's it's hard to say that there's anything like I like about the book with the book being so um so like strong uh i guess the way to say it like like uh, i don't know i feel weird making comparisons about to this book i i like analogies but boy i'm struggling i like the book um i don't think there's any one thing i can look at this book and say like i like that thing i like the book because of like what it's trying to say um like how blatant how bluntly it puts a lot of what it's trying to say um it's not a fun read um, no, not even a little. I guess that's what I'm trying to say is I'm used to like most of the comic books. I think 95% of the books we've read have been like fun books. Um, and I think this is one of those rare occurrences where this is not a fun book, but I would recommend this book to like just about anybody. I mean, obviously depending on the circumstance, right? If somebody's like, I want a book for my child. I'm not going to recommend this book. <laughs> or I've never read a comic book before. What should I start with? Oh, I got one for you. Oh, how would you how would you like uh, how would you like 120 pages of white guilt? <laughs> Strap in, here you go. Yeah, and it's super funny because like I don't I don't want this book to be centered on like white guilt or white experience because <laughs> I don't think that's the point. I mean, other than no. to say yes, the the predominantly white government of the 1940s and on had some significant issues like really this is meant to be a story about black stories and black history and what happens and- to them and and like not like like to go along with what you're saying i'm sorry i interrupted but go ahead. Yeah, it's, yeah it's about those those stories and that history that like inevitably gets lost and forgotten and, and really becomes like the old stories of old where they're passed down through through um through voice from one generation to another. Uh, and, and, and even now in the time of internet, like a lot of that stuff still, like you have to go dig for it. It doesn't just come up. It's not taught. It's not presented um, to you uh, like face value as a part of history. It's, it's almost like additional content that's been purposely cut out and hidden. And the people that know about it, know about it, but the people that don't and have, no initial interest to find it will could go their whole lives and never hear these stories. Yeah. And I think something that's, that's really interesting to note is that this story does not necessarily vilify people for not knowing like captain America doesn't come across as bad because he doesn't know this side of his own origin story, but rather, you know, he's shocked and he's horrified by it. 
as, you know, we all were reading it. And so I think that there's something about this. It's like the point is not, you know, white people are bad or black people are angry. It's that history is way more complicated than we treat it. And the only way we're going to be able to make amends or to bridge the gaps that still remain is to acknowledge that history and do our best to come to terms with it. Yeah, and to reach out. Yes. I think yeah. I, th- I think that's the most important thing. Um, I think at face value, I was a little miffed because I was like, oh, the white government like destroys this man's life and body and his reward at the end of it all is... You know, he regains some sort of semblance of a life, and he gets to take a picture with a white man. Um, and, and that's a very face value, unjust summary of the story here, because you know, as you mentioned in the in the in the summary, uh, Captain America goes to visit him. Um, kind of says, you know, I'm sorry that our government is it's a terrible thing, but I'm doing my part because I just found out, and like takes a photo with him and gives him the the suit and. And all this stuff, and it's really the real thing here is is like it's a thing about reaching out and understanding, not necessarily asking for forgiveness, because there's some stuff that we just, I mean, there's no reason to say I'm sorry, not in that we shouldn't. It's kind of weird to, to like verbalize, um, <laughs> because it's not like you didn't, like Captain America didn't do the the things that happened to this man. So he doesn't really have a reason to apologize, but him reaching out is like a bigger action than just saying, I'm sorry. Uh, and I think that's kind of the important thing. I'm talking in circles cause I don't know how to close this out. Um, <laughs> um, and I think that's kind of what I'm, what I'm getting at is like, I think a lot of, a lot of people like get real, it's real easy to get mad at something like this, especially at face value. Um, and to immediately feel attacked. But I think once you get past that initial shock, once, regardless of whether it's a comic book, a real story, a film, an analogy, or whatever, um, I think really just that reaching out and understanding that sometimes these stories are written not to create guilt, but really to explain and to give another side that people may not be familiar with. I think if you are part of the the predominant narrative like history in the United States does tend to get told from the perspective of, of white people. And so this is me speaking from my experience about my experience reading this story. Like you get really comfortable with a one depiction of history and you're not always willing to alter your understanding of that history unless you're shocked out of it. And I think that's one thing that this book really does well is that it, it shocks you and, um, it's not pretty and it's not fun. It's like even when Isaiah Bradley puts on the costume and gets to do the superhero thing, that's the most horrifying sequence in the entire thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's so horrifying. I actually don't want to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody else wants to do that, they can. Uh, I can't do I'm it. I'm not going to. I mean, I'm just going to. I mean, no. he, ed- he ends up in a gas chamber and he witnesses like one of the biggest atrocities. Um, it's so awful yeah it's just so awful there's that um yeah there's there's oh also we didn't even mention that like part of what happened to isaiah bradley was that after he did all this stuff and he was rescued he was court-martialed for stealing the captain america suit um 
and then was kind of put off the records for like everything. So even after they reinstituted his uh, his his VA, his veterans was it affairs rights. Um, yeah, his benefits. Yeah, his benefits. They they wouldn't yeah. apply to the stuff that happened to him because technically it didn't happen to him in the army. Yeah, he he gets a real real crap deal. But and there's a big but in here that I think is worth talking about. Ah, uh-huh. you're a big um, but. <laughs> that's why. That's why he cannot lie. <laughs> um, issue seven, page seventeen. This page kind of drives home the the aspect of the story that we kind of discussed earlier, where there's a large section of the world, not just the country, but the world, that knows Isaiah Bradley's story, and it's just like. Captain America doesn't know about it, and like it's it's not talked about, it's not discussed. But the thing that's nice about this page is it shows that Isaiah Bradley still had really good moments in his life. This is the page where Captain America, it's a double-page spread. Captain America's in the Bradley home. Um, Isaiah's getting dressed to come out and meet him. And there are all these pictures of Bradley on the wall with a lot of like notable historical figures, uh, mostly black uh, Americans that are prominent. There's a Muhammad Ali in there. There's Richard Pryor. There's Alex Haley. Uh, Public Enemy is in there too, which is kind of funny because Public Enemy was in the news just this past week. Yeah. Oh, John Lennon and Yoko Ono. I assume John Lennon and Yoko and Bono. What? And I think, yep, Bono right underneath John Lennon and Yoko. That's Bono. Oh, gross. I think Robert Redford. <laughs> yeah, that's Robert Redford. I couldn't place him at first. There's an actual photograph of Stan Lee. Stan Lee. Okay, actually. Two two complaints about this book. Um, go go ahead and finish what you're saying. Well, just I like I think this page is really important because it can help you to like recognize that we just saw the worst part of this man's life. But if you are the type of person who feels attachments to you know fictional characters, you can see that he had good things in his life too. And a lot of this this last book or this last chapter is about that. Uh, Captain America talks to. Uh, Bradley's wife and uh, like learns about his life and and her her name is Faith. Faith tells him kind of about uh, what his life's been like and it has not been easy but it also hasn't been bad because there's been a lot of good stuff that has happened and it's just all the stuff that you know we don't know about we don't think about but it's it's kind of nice to see that he made an impact even though so many people were ignorant of him. Aldo make your point. Um, I really don't like that there are two like JPEGs of comic book creators. Um, yeah. The Stanley one and the creators of the book holding the book. It's a little fourth Wally. Um, oh, yeah. That I, actually took me completely out of the book to the point where I didn't notice the Stan Lee picture until flipping through just now. Yeah. So I didn't like that. And also, I didn't. I, <laughs> this is the thing. This is me being like a real nerd and nitpicking over. It's something that absolutely has no real uh, value being nitpicked in this story because it serves a very specific purpose. But the fact that they're reading Captain America comic books, I thought it was established in the canon that like Captain America didn't like there weren't comic books of Captain America because he was real. And it and it felt a little weird to me that the soldiers were reading Captain America books a year after Captain America had appeared on the scene. And and if you look at the picture, it is like the picture from like I think one of the first issues of the actual comics. 
Okay, no, the Captain America comic that uh, Merritt, the the white supremacist guy in in prison, is holding up. No, the one in like the second issue, I oh, think. The, oh, the one that they're reading. Okay, yeah, no, no. Yeah, the one that also just looks like a JPEG that was dropped in there. Yeah, there are JPEG issues all over this, and I think that's probably my biggest complaint with the art is is how out of place they look. So, as far as like in universe comics, the Fantastic Four have a comics line in universe, and so it's not. I don't know specifically about Captain America. I feel like I've read somewhere that Captain America, part of you know the reason of his creation was sort of the propaganda element. And so the comics were used to help rally support for the war in-universe. But I don't know if that's actually true. They do make sense to me. Or that, that would make sense to me. Um, but since you, you've mentioned like the, the different comics, I got a... In issue six, when Captain America is interrogating Merritt, trying to find out more about Isaiah Bradley and find out where he is, um, the issue of Captain America that Merritt holds up and asks Cap to sign is an issue of the comic that I've actually read. And I do not have positive things to say about it. It was a Captain America story that came out right in the wake of world, of, of the uh, World Trade Center attacks uh, after 9-11. Oh, no. And it has this sort of interesting message where like the antagonist of this book is some faceless terrorist that uh, doesn't ever tell Captain America where he's from. Cause he's like, you don't know, I'm going to describe all of these atrocities that America committed in my country and you won't be able to narrow it down because you've done it so much. I think I've mentioned this book on the podcast before, actually. I don't and, think you have. Well, regardless, Steve Rogers response is America has done a lot of stuff we have a lot of stuff to be sorry for we have learned and we will continue to learn and that was a nice sentiment to make in the moment but you know the other thing that happened right after 9-11 was we invaded Iraq and you know we invaded Afghanistan and we had this whole war that might just now be ending maybe it's it's so like the comic reads hilariously naive nowadays and even in the moment it made me super uncomfortable so i just think that's funny i don't know if that was an intentional like call out to oh america has made all these mistakes and they're still screwing up and they don't realize it i like i don't think i don't know if that was intentional i kind of think it wasn't because i think these books were coming out at the same time but even so that added something to the story for me it was just like oh that hurts yeah i was worried it was going to be just like low level like anti-Arab you know sentiment in there like Captain would be like well it sucks to be you (laughs) (laughs) well maybe don't no it's not that overt yeah thankfully Um, at least you know Captain America handled it a little better than Batman did or (laughs) sorry Kroger brand Batman oh Hmm. man hey I have an idea let's please move on (laughs) I'm going to say one other thing about this book, and then we can absolutely move on, and that's the cover to issue number one is great. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I, yeah. I like, I, like, I, like, I like five, but okay. Um, oh, geez. Five is hard to look at. Yeah. That's probably why I like it. Okay, let's, let's move on. Yeah. John, do you have the spirit and the will to, uh, to tell us about Big Hero 6? Oh, you didn't get my joke earlier? Let's part the curtain for our listeners. Um, 
Wow, I thought it was clear. Okay. <laughs> I told I said in our group chat, they said, who's going to summarize the book? And I said, oh, I should definitely summarize Big Hero 6. What with all my years of love of anime. And, and oh, it didn't come through. <laughs> so hard to type. No, I should have done that like backslash s for sarcasm. Oh no! It absolutely, it absolutely came through. Thank uh, goodness. But I thought you would. I thought you would. I thought you would just throw no, me under the bus. Okay. No, but Ooh. you still volunteered, whether it was sarcastically or not. <laughs> All right. Um, not everybody knows that I'm a really good ventriloquist, and I can without moving my lips, make it my voice come out of someone else's mouth hundreds and hundreds of miles away. So while I'm going here in Salt Lake City, uh, you'll be able to hear my words out of Aldo Gomez's voice way out in Portland. Um, So here we go. Hold on. I'm going to be drinking water while I do this. Here, let's go. Let's go. Uh, So anyways, um... (laughs) so big... Big Hero 6 is... <laughs> yeah, take that, Jeff Dunham. You got nothing on me. <laughs> You're a hack. <clears throat> True words, Yeah. Colin. Please, Aldo, go ahead. Okay, so Big Hero I 6... I mean, me. Uh... <laughs> Alright, so Big Hero 6 is a 2008 comic book by Chris Claremont and uh, Nakayama... What was his first name? David Nakayama. Um, and it's a story of Big Hero 6. Not their first... Okay, yes, but not their first uh, book. It is their first book to be named Big Hero 6, but Big Hero 6 has been the team in the Marvel comics, uh, I think, like, close to 20 years prior to this book, or 30 years? They first... Um, they are, oh, excuse me, sorry. First intended to appear in Alpha Flight 17... But they appeared in their own self-titled three-issue miniseries by, yeah. Was it Sunfire and the Big Hero 6? Uh, like, I read up a little bit. I, th- I, think that's, I think that's who they were supposed to be. That sounds right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think that's on the app even. So this is the only Big Hero 6 series that I could find. Well, we also, we also get some of the older issues in the back of the issues of this book. Oh, yeah. Which I just, I'm sorry, I just skipped over those. So we're yeah, I didn't read it. Okay, either. good. <laughs> I was like, this isn't part of the assigned reading. Next. Oh, exactly. Um, I was like, Yellow Claw, that seems racist. Next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, where was I going with this? Okay, yeah, so this is the f- not also not the first incarnation of Big Hero 6. And it's hard to say that this is the most iconic because the, since then the movie has come out, Big Hero 6 by Disney. Technically not a Marvel film, but technically it is. Um, but we have this, we have kind of the same characters. We have the Big Hero 6 group, which includes Baymax, uh, who is a giant robot battle butler. Um, Hiro Takachiho, who is, uh, kind of, he's kind of like Artemis Fowl, but, um, just Japanese instead of magic. Um, (laughs) 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 Uh, it's like, I'm looking at like, I'm thinking of like, you fill out your nationality on a scroll down form and it just goes from like, (laughs) from Moroccan magic. (laughs) It's like, oh. It's like listed in the in everything like Yeah. So he's like a yeah. he's he's a boy genius. He doesn't have an older brother who died. Um we have Gogo Tomago who is uh who's 
there mostly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Honey Lemon, who is also there, uh, mostly to get dressed in like pretty scampy clothing. No kidding. Um, then we have a, a, a Japanese man whose real name is Wasabi No Ginger. Oof. Oof. Um, because you know when you he's who's also a sushi chef. Um, and samurai. Uh, well, that doesn't bother. Well, the samurai part doesn't. Yeah, the sushi part doesn't bother me very much because sushi is delicious, and like I'm okay with food gimmicks. I guess. Yeah. So, um, looking it up in the in the wiki, it says his alias is Wasabi No Ginger, but he doesn't have a name. Yeah, that's and, his name. Yeah, so that's his. That's his name. Um, and then we have Fred. <laughs> His name is just Fred. His name is Fred. Really, uh, really stretching those creative muscles, uh, coming up with interesting names, particularly mm-hmm. Fred. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> so I think a lot of their powers are pretty much the same. If you've watched the movie, you 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 would kind of get a sense of uh, of not deja like you like you mean you kind of recognize somebody's face, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how this book feels if you've read the if you've seen the movie. Um, you know what it's like? What? You all remember that time when DC published a book that was called What If Stan Lee Created the DC Universe? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. That's what this was like. Yeah. Yeah. So, Gogo Tamago's power is that she doesn't have a power. She's just really good at motorcycles and stuff. Uh, but she has, like, a special suit that helps her. Like, half the team here doesn't have, like, real powers. Baymax is a robot. That doesn't count. Hero's just a smart dude. Gogo Tamago is just like a daredevil. Um, and then like Honey Lemon technically doesn't even have power. She has like a purse, like a power purse, and it's not really explained like in this book. She needs anything she needs, she pulls out of it in the time that she needs it. Yeah, but she At could least only in the movie she pressed buttons. I understand it's two completely different things, but Yeah. And like she could but she can only do one of the things at a time. Yeah, that that's the limitation. Uh, wasabi no ginger. Gosh, I hate that. Um, he can he can uh, he has like projectile like energy projectiles that he can use to cut up stuff. And like Fred can almost. Yeah, is does is Fred does he summon a giant monster or does he? I just, think that it's like does he have the he, power of one? I think that he has the power of one, and it's kind of there, but kind of not, and. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hate, I'm gonna hate myself for saying this, but is this a JoJo's reference? <laughs> Sorry, I'm having to laugh twice as hard because I'm pretty sure John doesn't get that joke because it was an anime. <laughs> no, it was just <laughs> such a deep humor that I internalized it, and I was just <laughs> nodding proudly at uh, Aldo's wit. Oh goodness! Yeah, no um, which the best, the the best uh, incarnation of of. Uh, of Fred isn't even in any Big Hero Six movie. It's an Anne Hathaway movie where she controls a kaiju. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was that? Was it called like Colossal? Colossal. Yeah. 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 Um, it's like during her during her blackout drunk moments, she's a <laughs> she's a kaiju. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so so the plot is a little weird. So so this lady uh, Fury Wamu, which saying that out loud sounds a little bit more. Racist anime red. Um, Fury. <laughs> that's her. Her alias is a uh, gunsmith. Uh, I think she can like summon guns. I think that was her power. Um, <laughs> she goes to Japan to recruit uh Big Hero Six because this is the part where it lost me. I think they're taken to the United States because they unle like the 
Japanese government is responsible for something, uh, and like they have to go fix it. So they recruit the big hero six, and Fury is the person that did that. So they go to the United they go to the United States and they hang out with Doctor Kago. And sorry, although I know I don't want to interrupt you. We're still in the middle of of the plot summary. Yes, I but I do think the fact that the part that lost you was literally an issue one says a lot about this book. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, had to hang a lampshade on that. That's, anyway, go that's on. absolutely fine. And anyway, so they go hang out there. This is part of where it lost me because I'm pretty, they, they were explaining the thing. And the next thing I know, they're just there, but like, they're just kind of hanging out. Yeah. They're like, huh, let's go to high school and play football. Yeah, Hero hangs out. He gets a crush on like the doctor's daughter, whose name is like Marys, Marys. Uh, Marys. Ma- it's Mary with an S. Multiple I Marys. I expected her Marys? to like or- pop up another head or something and be like, "That's why I'm called Marys." There's no sense yeah. to it. Whatever. I would have pronounced it Marys. See, I was thinking like Marys, like 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 some fake Japanese like Marizu. See, I was—I thought it was going for something like that, but I refused to like. I was like, "No, I'm going to say Marys, even though I'm sure that's not what it is. I'm still going to say Marys because that's how it's spelled and it's stupid." Yeah, um, it's absolutely fair. Anyway, so they go hang out. They do a football thing. Uh, Honey Lemon gets kidnapped, and then she's put in a swimsuit, and then she goes to attack. She attacks something. Also, okay, so the whole time I was—I I read this book um, probably like two. 2013, 14, I think. Um, and I had forgotten all about it. I just remembered Baymax being a giant robot. Um, <laughs> and rereading this, you know, the kind of joke between us all was that this was kind of an anime thing. And it is. It very much is. Um, and the whole time I was thinking, like, this book isn't very anime, like, as a joke, because uh, it's pretty clean. And then you get to issue three, and, like, Honey Lemon is wrapped up in electric tentacles, being forced... Oh, my God. Being forced being forced to submit and then she submits and then she is in a bikini uh attacking people. Uh so few people get brainwashed, then they fight every everybody fights each other. Um and then they go have another bigger fight. I this book lost me a lot. <laughs> if it's not obvious. Uh they they fought stuff. Uh they found like an alien they found a bunch of aliens under the ocean like in a ship. Um, and they thought it was an invasion, but they're really there on a field trip. So then they do their homework for them, and then they send them back out into outer space. Um, and yeah, then they go back to was, Japan. What was that? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Baymax makes suits for Marys and uh, and Hero, and they look like they're from Evangelion. I wondered. It, they did look like they were from Evangelion. Uh, Marys suit even more because it has a very specific uh, like shoulder armor um because i i always dismiss that because it's like well a lot of japanese anime of robots have like plug suits essentially but what there's a very specific design to those from ava and those are very much inspired by it and the colors are right for shinji and uh asuka uh asuka's yeah, yeah. no 100 percent. i picked up on that too yep um so yeah that's so great <laughs> that we all picked up on that <laughs> uh so so steven do you know why they were in the united states <laughs> do you remember in detail obviously although it was to play football clearly how did you not pick up on this uh i mean why else would you go to america from japan 
I, to shoot some guns and play some football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there were multiple sort of like incidents and they had to go protect this scientist. And like, I don't know. I don't, I feel like we're doing a bad job of reviewing if we can't figure out the plot of the book that we're reading. But this is the world that we live in. Okay. And yeah. Okay, but I, also, I is it my fault if the book itself isn't very clear? No, I'm saying, like, it's not us not doing our job. It's the book not being clear. Like, this is why things are happening. So many times in this book, things just happened. And it's just, I don't know if they were trying to, like, adhere to, like, some established an anime tradition, you know, where it's like, <laughs> ah, high school, ha And, like, Honey, Lemon, and Go-Go are like, uh, there's Fred, let's fight him. Or there's Wasabi, let's fight him. And it's like, just quit screwing around like just like ah. i know it was like a training thing a hazing thing it was dumb is what it was we are not gonna fight you on that john hey all right okay um i i will say before like just to drop in a positive thing sometimes the art was pretty cool and i liked the coloring um you know um i i thought that um everything from like what issue three on of honey lemon i was like nope nope like this this is not yeah this is yeah. okay okay but if it makes you feel any better she's an adult a little better <laughs> <laughs> which is which is like totally a thing they bring up that they're forcing them to go undercover in in school mm-hmm. and they're like but we're so i'm assuming i'm assuming they're adults because they've graduated and not that they finished school early so just for kicks, they wanted to join the high school football team slash cheerleading squad. Yeah. Um, and they're not particularly, like, they're not drawn, like, Honey Lemon never strikes me as Japanese. Is that, like, bad to say? Or is it is it, like, ah! Well, no, it's not. So, here's the thing. Like, I'm just so white, guys. In, in a lot of the Japanese media that I've consumed, like, if a character is blonde... Attention is usually drawn to it because uh, most Japanese people aren't naturally blonde. And I mean, so most. They I don't frequently... think that like does that doesn't happen at all. I I don't like speaking in absolutes about physical appearance. I just don't um, know. I don't. I right. do not know. I know that like of course people dye their hair any and all colors and cool. Um, well, that's just... the thing. Is like when a person dyes their hair blonde. In again, the media that I've consumed, which is the only window that I have into Japanese culture, and that's not necessarily a very authoritative one. But regardless, attention is drawn to it because it's usually seen as this sort of like rebellious thing. Yeah, yeah. But also, I understand like with with a lot of the manga and anime style, the the stylistic choices that are made, the large eyes, the very expressive faces, they read as Japanese. And I don't get that impression here. Because That's what I don't I'm saying, think the, yeah. I don't think the anime aesthetic is very played up, with, except for like a couple of minor indicators. Like I just happened to be flipping through uh, issue two, and on page four, Honey Lemon has one of those little like stress clouds coming out of her head and little sweat beads. Yeah. That's, that's a very like anime, manga sort of storytelling shortcut symbol but right. yeah this doesn't strike me as terribly animesque if that's a word yeah um it is now <laughs> animesque um <laughs> yeah so there's there's a lot here um, <laughs> which is the most i can say about the book um there's 
I feel bad like talking about the book like that. It's so kind of all over the place. It's hectic. I think it's the best way to put put it. That's yeah. That's my, good. Yeah. So when we read Dark Phoenix Saga, my biggest complaint in that book was that it felt pointless that they were going like all over the place. Like at one point they were on the moon and then they were on this other planet and then they were back at Xavier's office and then they were like in a battle drone or something. Uh, but like I the could blue area of the moon. Yeah. But I could follow that. I can't hear like they're going all over the place and it feels like it's happening all at breakneck speed. Um, like just as an example. So like it's during the football game that Gogo Tomago and, Wasabi are a part of for some reason because Wasabi Wasabi looks like he's in his mid forties, um, but yeah, he's allowed on this high school football team. So, whatever, I'm not gonna judge. <laughs> um, they're they're being a part of this. Hero was there as as the commentator with his with his new girlfriend, Marys. Um, Baymax is recording the thing using drones. Okay, um, and then uh. Honey Lemon is kidnapped. This is when she gets. This is an issue three. She gets kidnapped. She gets in the in the electric submission panels. Um, oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, and then like she disappears. She like calls Baymax to tell him that she's like not, not feeling well, so she's gonna go catch some Z's or whatever early two thousands crap talk we used to do. Um, and like the next and. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Fury Wamu. Uh, she like she's like, oh no, the doctor's like I have to leave, so he leaves, and the Fury goes with him to protect him because that's her job, apparently. Um, and then like the next page, it's Honey Lemon in a swimsuit on like a boat approaching an island that also the doctor is on, and like she's shooting people there. That was like they did say like Plum Island is like as a few miles something. off the coast, yeah, yeah. Or like earlier, it was a place they visited, but uh, yeah, I was still like, oh, okay, guess that high school's close to the island. Like, eh. yeah, there's a lot of st- this book just kind of goes all over the place, and it never never really gives you like room to breathe, yeah, and, or like absorb what's happening. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a frustrating read, this one. I, uh, reading the book, like, I was completely lost. The part that, like, com- threw me out of the story entirely, where it wasn't just low-grade, like, it wasn't just confusion, it was, okay, now I am actively against this story. So my understanding of their mission, Big Hero 6, was in the States to protect this scientist. And the scientist gets a call saying, oh, there's an emergency, we need you back at the lab right away. And he gets up and leaves, and Big Hero 6 says, don't worry, we'll record the football game for you. (laughs) Have fun with your dangerous mission. We're good here. Yes. Yeah. They were enjoying it so much. And and then, like, then later we find out, like, oh, the team were underdogs. And it's like, really? They were kind of bullying Big Hero 6 at the beginning when they, like, challenged him to... You know, game of catch or something. It was ah, yeah, yeah. So here's here's the thing. I never want to accuse a company for hiring somebody based off their name or history. But looking at Nakayama's artwork, he's not the person I would have 
and, and not his art book in this book, like his portfolio. I'm looking at his portfolio right now. Mm-hmm. He's not the person I would have pegged for like an anime style book. And while the art isn't bad, it's 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 uh, it's good. It's I, I like the art. It, there's some moments where it really shines. Yeah. Can I bring Can I bring back an old favorite? Yeah. It's house style. <laughs> I don't think it's it, very, no. It's not it, even that because it there's... is very 2008 house style. I'll well, see. I, I have to like compare it with 2008, but I, I think the colors set it apart. The paneling sets it apart. Um, you know the I don't know. I just I, Baymax and the Bowler is really cool every single time. <laughs> he looks like I don't know. I do like the Baymax design. I will give the yeah. book that. Yeah. yeah, there's just there's just a thing about the book where it kind of feels like it's towing this middle ground of like Western comics and manga style, and never never settling into one or the other. Um, not because it's trying to be in the middle, but because it doesn't know where it wants to land. Yes, and, thank you. And not, I, yes, yeah. And Nakayama's art. If you if you go to his like portfolio website, it's just his name, DavidNakayama.com. You're welcome for the sponsorship, buddy, buddy. because uh, you know all our thousands and hundreds of listeners will go. Um, but like his art is really good, but it doesn't yell like anime. Um, so I don't know what, whose decision that was. Maybe it was his and all the more power to him to try to do something else. Uh, but I'm just saying, you know, I'm not saying anything, but I am saying that I feel like, uh, I guess the casting here wasn't very well done. No. Again, not bad. It's just the art just feels like it has a bit of an identity crisis. Yeah. It's trying, it's, it's like trying to go for one it's yeah, you already said it. So it's mm-hmm. it's anime and western kind of in the middle and not doing either one fully like justice. So yeah, I still I, I mean I like the art um, and the coloring and uh, paneling. Like I said, they were kind of they were striking and stood out to me. But yeah, the plot is just kind of like all over. And I don't I don't I don't know. Chris Claremont has done a lot for the X Men like and you know, but like some of this stuff just <laughs> felt like off to me like like at the very end like what do you have to say for yourselves and they're like whoops so sorry like oh my gosh racist? what was that yes that i forgot good. about am that I, well am, yeah was that like that that's straight up racist right like or is that just me like projecting like white guilt again <laughs> i never know <laughs> i think i think that's actually just genuinely a little racist it's it's kind of like that, like uh, wait, was it Claremont that wrote Wolverine with Frank Miller? Oh right, yes. Yeah, we've been down this road. We before. have, yeah. So it, it it gave me vibes off of that, where it's somebody who isn't particularly part of that culture trying to like play represent that culture. Yeah, and it's not in a way that's studied or necessarily well done. Hmm. Um, I mean, granted, I will cut him some slack on the names because uh. Wasabi, no, actually, never mind. He doesn't get any slack. Uh, Gogo Tomago, <laughs> I was gonna say Gogo Tomago and Honey Lemon and Hero and Baymax were already pre-existing characters. Wasabi no Ginger was his. Really? That's, oh, yeah. Yep. Sure enough, I was just yeah. looking him up. And Fred. Yeah. And Fred. <laughs> okay, I actually kind of like Fred. Fred's fine. Yeah. For one thing, he first appears with a Devil Dinosaur T-shirt. That was pretty cool. I was like, hey, which is great. Yeah. Like, I like that. And I like he's got this weird power where he's like, 
possessed by the spirit of a giant monster, and sometimes he can actually manifest the giant monster, but he always has the giant monster's strength. Like, I like how it's, like, a little ambiguous, you know? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's fun. He, it would be a lot more fun if he wasn't, you know, the kaiju member of a team of Japanese stereotype superheroes. Yeah, so I was doing a little bit of research because I was confused. Um, so the three antagonists that appear in the, in, in, in the story, um, Brute, Gunsmith, and Whiplash, uh, are their own people, but the, I guess, leading protagonist or the leader of the group is a character named Bad Gal. Yeah. And, and her power is that she can imprint people onto other people. Which is yep. when when they're all fighting, that's what she did, and that's why they're and that's why the doctor suddenly becomes a giant Hulk like person. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And that's why why uh, gunsmith as Fury. Yeah, Fury's not normally gunsmith, but she has the gunsmith power imprinted on her. Yes. Yeah. Um. That bit's not. I mean, it, it's it's kind of a cool concept to have like villain like a villain whose superpower is to create other supervillains to like just henchmen to tie up the heroes like that's actually pretty cool um nothing happens with it like they they bad gal they make a big deal of bad gal getting hired to do what she's doing but it's never like revealed who hired her or why what her goal was I think they were leaving that up for the sequel series that never happened. Or did it happen? I wouldn't know. I don't think it did. Actually, did it? There's gotta be. No? I guess not. Um, yeah. Also, Fury winds up with an eye patch at the end of the series. Oh, yeah. And so she's like Fury. Like, yeah. like Nick Fury. Yes. Yeah. Kind of. It's like we want. And there, there was a fastball special. In the middle of the the fight towards the end, <sighs> it's yeah. Such a weird book. Yeah. I I want to know what Disney executive read this book and was like, yes, we can make a movie out of this. They're like, oh, all we got to do is kill off uh, the main character's family member towards the beginning, and then we'll make it a Disney property. That's how we yeah. do it. All we got to do is uh, take everything that's in this book and not do this. Yep. <laughs> can I? Can I? Okay. Least favorite part of the book. My least favorite part of the book. Honey Lemon's tummy tattoo of a lemon. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's implied that that's a name that she chose herself. But she, why does she have a tattoo of a lemon? She likes lemons, Stephen. Make lemonade. Uh, I would say for the most part, tattoo... Oh, not for the most part, but oftentimes tattoos... Uh, there's no logic behind them. They just kind of happen. And then the next day, the questions are asked. Why... Do I oh, have gosh. this butterfly tramp stamp? <laughs> why? Why? Have why have I woken up with a three-foot-long American eagle on my chest mm-hmm. that wraps around to the back, and its talons are on my left butt cheek? Way to go, Aldo! That's brave of you to share with us. Yep, it's totally a I'm joke. Sure after being under the needle for the first half hour, you'd sober up, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I every t- every tattoo I've gotten has been silver. <laughs> Although you're like, I don't know or I don't remember. <laughs> I feel like if I had silvered up, I would remember that that happened. <laughs> it's like, or maybe you don't. You just haven't found them yet. You know, drunk enough to get the tattoo, sober enough to tell them hide it on me, so I sober <laughs> me never finds it. 
Honey Lemon named herself after her favorite television program. <laughs> the more you do. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah. So I I don't really have a lot to say. Um, I will say this: I like the covers. Yeah, no, the art and the covers like covers great. Are fine. Yeah, I like I like the cover number three where uh. I hate I hate that I have to keep calling this. I or Wasabi has cut the the, I guess I don't know, frame. It's, it's probably a stock of bamboo. No, well, I'm, I know, but I'm trying to think of the name. The banner. That's what it's called. Look oh, at yeah. banner, Michael. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the covers are fine. Yeah, the covers are fine. They're they're kind of fun. Um, it it I kind of wish it would just I don't know, lean into the the sort of ink print that i think they were going for which by the end they almost completely abandoned yeah kind of like the plot <laughs> got completely abandoned yeah man guys this has been a rough episode it has we maybe we should go back to doing spider-man and all spider-man <laughs> <laughs> oh john there's there's some logic to what you say you know yeah i just i just want to quote myself from last episode you know what? Spider-Man wouldn't kill the buzz. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what these folks did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, should we rank them? Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's get to it. Let's do it. So we've got currently on our list, 87 books on our list. Uh, from the sublime to the reprehensible. Where do these books go? Let's let's start with Truth, Red, White, and Black. Oh, that's the one I, we want to start out with? Well, that's the one we ranked for, or read first, so let's rank it first. Here's the thing. This is a book that I would recommend people read. But I won't recommend that they enjoy it. I would recommend it in kind of the same way that I recommend books like Mouse or Persepolis. They're good books, but they're not fun books. Yep. At all. And so I don't know where the, like, important but painful section of this list is. I don't even know what really to compare it to. Yeah, that's, um... Gosh, this is hard because, like, my gut reaction is to put it up like in the top twenty. But the problem is, I would prefer to read almost any of the forty books before <laughs> before reading this book. Um, but I think it's better than like a lot of the stuff that's in the forties or thirties. It's just not a fun read. Mm-mm. And and as much as I don't agree with John, I do have to give credit that the art may not hit the same for everybody. Um, and so that is a huge factor. And what enjoyment or appreciation you have for the book. I could appreciate that. It means different things to different people. Yeah. I think the fact that I knew going in that Kyle Baker was the plastic man guy, like colored my perception of the the art and made it so that I was like more on board with it. I, but... I didn't know it. Um, the, the art initially did take me a little warming up too, but honestly, by the end of the first issue, I was on board with it. Um, it's just not the art I would have initially expected from a book like this. And I think that kind of goes to John's credit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, John, I, I definitely didn't do a very good job of validating your feelings. You are seen. You are <laughs> oh, respected. I don't care. We already discussed how everything's my fault anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> That's really not. Oh. That's fine. No, it's fine. It's fine. We're already in this hole. Just keep digging. <laughs> Uh, um, so how about this for a criteria i'm gonna propose this as a criterion and and let me know what you guys think collection i think this 
I think this book goes just above the first book that it's actually, like, insulting for it to be beneath. Oh, no, I, like, yeah. Yeah, so, like, just as an example, I'm not saying this is where I'm looking, but, um, like, there is... To say that A Babies versus X Babies is better than this is probably a little <laughs> offensive to this book. <laughs> yeah. Okay, oh that hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, in that case, I'm de- I'm gonna start the bidding at above Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a strong a strong opening because you can't have a racist book above a book that talks about the problems of racism. <laughs> Also, Touché, okay. Also, here's a question. Here's a philosophical question I want to I want to place. Um, so, truth is very much about uh, racism. X Men books are an allegory for racism. Which, <laughs> which should go higher, the allegory or the actual thing? <laughs> and this is where I kind of go back to which one's more fun to read. <laughs> Like, here's the... Are you talking about Gifted? Yes. Here's the thing. Gifted was fun. I, I remember having issues with Gifted, but Gifted was fun. And I think if you're going to read X-Men, you should read Gifted. And I'll go to a different type of tiebreaker thing. Um, does the story have Kitty Pride in it or not? And Gifted uh. does, and Truth does not. So, ooh, you know, You know, that's a fair point. Rock and a hard place. A racist hard place. <laughs> I think I'm gonna say racist rock. And Steve, now Stephen, I, I I will just say like validating my th- that's a bunch of crap. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. <laughs> I am often wrong, and that's fine. So um, let's not let's not worry too much because all right, yeah. So so I think for the for the sake of keeping this brief, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my final tally slash vote at below gifted and above forever. See, I'll say below Wolverine. No, but see, I like Spider-Man more. Wait, no, just above Wolverine. Excuse yeah. me. Whoo, almost caught me there. <laughs> with with the note that I would read any of the ten comics that come after this. <laughs> oh yes. It's it's getting it's getting that place not based on the art or the writing or the or, or anything other than the fact that this is a story that deserves respect because it it touches on real atrocities and uh, people should be aware of it. No matter what no matter what terrible crappy packaging and crooked bow and <laughs> messed up wrapping paper this present is in, you gotta open it and say thank you. <laughs> we'll look back on this list in five years and be like, oh, why did we put it there? And then we'll look into it and then we'll be like, oh yeah. <laughs> we'll be fighting zombies in five years. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Steven, you're in okay, wait. So are we really trying to decide between putting this at 20, 26 or 27? No, 26 yeah. and 25? I'd say, 20, I'd say 27, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, you're right, 26 means, and 27. Means, yes, Steven? I'll put it at 27. Ha-ha. <laughs> yeah, like, again, I think this is an important book worth reading, definitely in the worth reading list, but it is the book that you, like, it's... It's the English class assigned reading, almost. It's the... Oh, man. I, that, and that feels like it's too dismissive of it. Because I don't want to be dismissive of it. But yeah, no, that's where... You should read it. And then you should go out and, like, volunteer in your community. Do some good. Like, let it inspire you to do good. Don't get drowned in the, the hopelessness of the situation. Oh, my God. Ugh. <laughs> 
and we're recording this on Super Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, as if there wasn't enough tension, you know. <laughs> oh, gosh. I hope we're all ready to lose the election because of Joe Biden. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's not get too, let's not, let's not get into that. So number 27, in between Fantastic Four Forever and Wolverine. All right. Now, where do we put Big Hero 6? On the art, the art makes me want to put it not in the lower quarter of our, of our rankings, but the plot and writing is like, what, what are you, what, what's going on? Um, I would put it, um, just above maximum carnage at number 68. Oh, so that's okay. We're almost in the same range. I'm not. I, I was, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say near, but definitely not above Mary Jane homecoming. <laughs> you know where I want to put this? Where? I'm trying to decide if it's better or worse than Kill Matsuo. Oh. Number 79. Oh, jeez. I'll remind you that you really don't like Civil War, our number 76 entry, so surely this would rank above that. John, can you tell me what Civil War is about? <laughs> <laughs> can you go? Can you tell me the plot? This isn't a reference to the time that Black Goliath got buried in the car from the ground in Spain. <laughs> it's the superhuman... Like, what is the plot of Civil War? What is the high concept? What happened? The Superhuman Registration Act. Clash of Ideals. Can you tell me what happened in Big Hero 6? Oh, no, not with a gun to my head. <laughs> Goes beneath Civil War. Okay. 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 That's my thought process. You know what? That's right. I, th- I would rather put this below below Kelmatsuo. You've made your point. But I can, well, just I like can, in real I can life, at democracy least... screws us again. <laughs> I, can at, I can at least tell you what happened to Kelmatsuo still, like to this day. Yeah, the Kelmatsuo, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hey. Yeah. Wolverine's been tormenting a dude in Japan for like the last 30 years of his life. And Psylocke only now just found out. And she's not happy. As long as it's above, I just realized that Marvel Zombies... (laughs) Yeah, getting a lot of one-time reads down here. That's pretty low for Big Hero 6. Because, like, I would return for the art. You know, the art that's not, like, you know, cheesecake-y. But... Maybe I will just find um, David is sorry Yaka. Whoop, I'm, yep. D- David Nakayama. Nakayama. I almost yeah. I flipped the Yakanama. What was I gonna say? It is late for me. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> I'm an hour behind, and it feels late for me too. Um. So seventy. So eighty. Eighty. I'm I'm okay with that. I kind of want to put it above Kilmatsu now, but I'm not gonna argue it. So let's put it at eighty. <laughs> I forgot about the torture. This was sequence. your idea. I forgot. I was I was torn, and I forgot about the torture bit in Kill Mothra. Yeah, but you know, you know, <laughs> I don't have yeah. a defense for that. Okay, hold on though. If we're gonna put it underneath Kill Matsuo, we should probably put it under Happily Ever After, which I think its biggest crime was just being forgettable. Uh, that's, yeah. That's the, okay, listen. Okay. I I may not know what happened in in, in Big Hero Six, but it's not forgettable. Unforgettable. Mm. Well, that's a shame. Listen, I already did the cl- the copy pasty thingy majig. It's, it's... <laughs> all right. Fine, it's at eighty. <laughs> <laughs> We're really splitting the hairs down here in the lower eighties. <laughs> Getting close to one hundred, everybody. Oh, oh, we are. So we are. We'll be there before too much longer. Wowzers! We'll be there before. Uh, actually, we'll be there like before our was it two year anniversary. Yeah. Well, we'll be our two-year anniversary is next month. And I, I lied. 
All right, for our next episode, we got two books to read. Uh, again, pretty excited about these ones. Um, the first book is the 2018 Shuri series. So this is the sister of Black Panther. Shuri, you can't be serious. I am I'm serious. Not, and and don't stop call me calling Shuri. Shuri. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, how many? How many issues are, are we reading of it? Uh, issues one through five are the first story arc. Okay. Yeah, and this is by uh, an Afrofuturist author named Nnedi Okorafor. I have I have definitely not pronounced that correctly. I will try to look it up by the time we cool title though episode. Afrofuturist. That's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading that literally from the issue one description. Afrofuturism is. A genre that I know very little about. It had a lot of influence on the Black Panther movie, though. So I think just based on that history, this I'm, is probably a good choice to mm-hmm. write the Shuri series. This mm-hmm. is this is also like tangentially connected to that film in the sense that the film kind of affected the design and character outline essentially. <laughs> so not tangentially, yeah. kind of very directly. Yeah. Much in the same way that Star Lord <sighs> is now Chris. Pratt. Yeah, I hate that. Uh, Shuri is is definitely more aligned uh, with her movie adaptation. And then uh, the other book that we're going to read is the... We're going a bit retro this time. We're going to the 1985 Longshot miniseries that introduces the character of Longshot, written by Anne Nocenti, who is a um, very notable comics writer that I have almost no experience with. So I'm I, this might actually be my first Nocenti. I know she's she's written some uh Daredevil. I think she's written some X-Men and some I think she might have even written uh the New Mutants. Never read any of it. Huh. It's uh six issues, right? That one's six issues, yes. But them's 1980s issues, so they're a little bit longer probably. Wait, wait it says Adams. Oh, Arthur Adams does the pencils. Yeah. Well, that's right. I forgot I Arthur Adams. Too. Another notable name. Yeah. Um, so, got those to look forward to. <sighs> Guys, this was an exhausting episode. Yeah. I need to go. I need to go. Like watch into the Spider Verse and like hug a pillow. <laughs> Miles Morales will save us. <laughs> I'm, gonna keep, I'm gonna keep watching Ninja Turtles. The part when he, the part when he like jumps off the building and like just. Oh, the oh, what's up falls. danger? Yes, one of the, like like in film, one of my favorite moments. It's like, so good, like it's beautifully done. Like you're He's... gonna need a bigger boat. That's no moon. Um, when ego tries the ratatouille, I don't have any pretentious examples from Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane, and then <laughs> all of all of the movie. Yeah, the third man, and then this. Yeah, what's up danger? Anyway, um. But next time will be better, and and celebrate the eighth of March with us as we, um, you know, give give ladies their fair due, maybe. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, why did we? Why why did we do this to ourselves? Honestly, I, I want to blame Stephen, but also I recommended Big Hero Six. One thousand percent <laughs> Stephen's fault. <laughs> That should be like the subtitle for the podcast. <laughs> 1000% Stephen's fault. Should we wrap up the episode? I think we are done. Okay. Guys, thanks for joining me on this difficult emotional journey. Practice some good self-care. Be kind to people and 
I don't vote. know, maybe, yeah, vote, vote for, like, good causes that don't hurt people. Mm-hmm. All of that would be good. Like Medicare. Yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. <sighs> also, wash your hands and don't touch your face. <laughs> Have a good night.